A stealth transfer, Dave Warner is no longer homeless, COVID in the Breslin, a Title IX tutorial, and the free press gets its long overdue comeuppance. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by my co-host and Michigan defensive coordinator finalist, Kevin Greck, and my other co-host, our very own golden girl, Alex Plum. Bum, 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 bum. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. All right. So um, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, well, that's all we need to know about how you're doing. Greck, how are you? Um, lovely. You know how it is. Yeah, I'm over here. I'm, uh, I'm binging the Golden Girls. I'm being a true friend to Mike McDonald, letting him have that gig. You know, I didn't really want it. That was a pass for me. Hard so, pass. So, uh, yeah, we're good. Plum, how are you? How's your little Golden Girl? Yeah, there this little Golden house? Girl is good today. Let's, I mean, you want to over under, I know this really isn't my gig. It's supposed to be a Twitter question, but how many minutes before she rolls in here with that squeaky corn? Because she loves it. Where are we at? Where, when's the last time she visited with the corn? She's got the, she's been actually really digging on the chicken, and the chicken doesn't have a squeaker anymore. So Ooh, take a hike, corn. Anyone's guess. Get out of here. Anyone's guess. The, your weak ass squeaker. For those who are maybe our new listeners, we're talking about Alex Plum's dog, Yali. Uh, thank you for tuning in and listening. If we could ask a small favor, if you enjoy the pod, please share it with Spartans in your life. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And of course, follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. Greg, structure of the show. Go. Oh, it's a great structure. All right. We start with the green wall. And there's a sport that always leads on the green wall. Football. And indeed, this week it does, actually. Then we'll talk about COVID. Yes, we will talk about COVID with the basketball team. And then uh, we're actually going to dig in. This has been in the news. I don't know really how much this is on everyone's radar, but there has been a lawsuit filed by the women's swimming, by members of the women's swimming dive team. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Title IX. We're going to make use of this legal expert that we have on the (laughs) podcast. Uh, and then we're going to go off Grand River. We're going to talk about a couple things going on in the wider world of sports. And then, as always, those Twitter questions, baby. But before that, we'll preview the game against Illinois. Excellent. Twitter questions. Yes. But let's I look head- forward to the Twitter questions. <laughs> All right. Let's head behind the green wall. And uh, indeed, the, f- the sport that always leads football, uh, which at first I didn't think there was going to be anything to talk about. So the it says football. As in, should we even talk about it? But we should, because today marks the day that uh, early enrollees and some of our transfers, I believe all of our transfers landed on campus and spotted uh, under the radar is one Kendall Brooks, a D2 transfer from North Greenville. He's a safety. Uh, that's Greenville. Thanks. Greenville. Greenville. Get it together. I'm not familiar with South Carolina. Uh, Greenville. So I, I Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Kendall is six foot, 200 pounds. Uh, It's been confirmed by MSU that he will be receiving a scholarship. Uh, Those who maybe don't follow these things quite as closely. uh, D2 uh, football did not get played this year because of COVID. So the year prior, he recorded 56 tackles, including one for a loss, two pass breakups. Uh, And the year before, in only nine games, he had 22 tackles, one tackle for a loss and a fumble recovery. 
because he didn't play this year, he will have three years of eligibility. Um, I guess, Greg, I'll start with you. I, you know, it's hard to know much about Kendall other than he kind of fits this sort of athletic profile for the position. Yeah. But this is a, a very much a position of need for MSU. with yeah. all the transfers. Uh, I don't know if listeners have picked up on this, but a lot of the secondary has left the team one way or another, either by the NFL, uh, you know, draft process or the, uh, the transfer portal. So welcome to the team, Kendall Brooks. We're happy to have you. I don't know anything about Grunville. But, uh, yeah, uh, we need bodies at this point. So suit up. (laughs) Um, in other news, uh, Dave Warner, uh, who I don't know if there's anyone from the, well, Jim Bowman, I was going to say anyone is sort of derided by the MSU fan base as Dave Warner, but, um, Former offensive coordinator for Michigan State has found himself a new home in the University of Texas, El Paso, as their offensive coordinator, Plum. Uh, I mean, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but happy for Dave. Uh, he both sort of, uh, you know, was the coordinator for the most prolific offenses that MSU has seen. And yet, how do you really feel about Dave Warner? Uh, I'm not gonna miss dave warner i think you know we haven't uh we haven't been good per se uh recently on the offensive side of the ball some might say some of that some Mm -hmm. positional issues uh a lot of it though i think is a lack of vision um need to give dave some credit along obviously we would uh with his buddy our friend lol jim bowman um he 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 didn't do. I mean, he's why? What is he's like fifty six and twenty three or something over his record. He's got two Big Ten championships under his belt. Went to the Rose Bowl in twenty fourteen. Obviously, the big um, the Cotton Bowl in twenty fifteen. So there's a lot. Um, there's a lot. I think to hang your hat on. And there was a good thing that he had going with D'Antonio when D'Antonio still cared about trying to coach. Um, <laughs> but but Slander. as. Well, wow. but as but as that declined, you know, I mean, I think it was clear that um, Dave Warner wasn't stepping in with any real vision, and so maybe you know this is a little bit of the um, maybe he needs a new a new fresh a breath of fresh air and some dry Texas heat in El Paso will be just what he needs. We wish him the very very best. Indeed. Um, speaking of some other moves, well, let's start with someone who's not moving. Uh, Matt, Codway. except for when his dad's flying him around. Whoa, his dad's a pilot, yes. Michael Jones. Right. Let me introduce that. Wow, airlines, Captain Coughlin. Uh, Matt is coming back as MSU's kicker, uh, in a and announced it in a um, uh, Wolf of Wall Street uh, parody video put together by um, the MSU graphics team which was fun. It was fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, this is good. Uh, he was an honorable mention all big 10 this year. Yeah. Um, so happy to have Matt back. Let's be explicit. Yeah. Matt Coughlin's the only consistent player that's played for Michigan state in the last two seasons. Uh, would you describe his two years ago as consistent? I didn't there say two years. Moments. I said in the last two seasons, this and the last. Okay. We're happy to have Matty C back. Yes, we are happy to yes. have him back. Uh, which actually, because Matt 
uh, ranks pretty high in, in terms of most categories for MSU kickers. Uh, this extra season may be record setting for him in a great number of ways. So that'll be fun. Yeah, Hopefully yeah. Jack Olson, who came in this past year behind him or came in this year behind him um, or no, sorry, last year uh, will not be too upset uh, that he'll be riding the pine. Once when you're behind the legend, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> there it is. The hair is legendary. Didn't he mull it out this year? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, there's, I'm so thrilled to have Matt back. He Uh, really like gives us so much material to talk about between his dad being a pilot and the, him being a kicker and his hair. Now, and and how sort of cherub like he looked when he came in. That's (laughs) the real joke is when you see what he looked like when he started at MSU 17 years ago and how today he's become, you know, he's grown into a proper man. The thing is, though, Tell me how does and maybe maybe Tucker makes some uh, size exceptions. Uh, you know he doesn't have the height or weight requirement. I think that Mel's typically looking for. But do you want to see a three hundred pound kicker? Maybe he's got the I, yes the yes I do actually of heart that we require. Uh, also, not to uh, not to just dwell on Maddie C, but uh, Ant Williams landed at Akron, and our guy Max Rosenthal to Illinois. Good for him. Good for them both. People. People that don't remember, Max Rosenthal was the fullback. Yeah, who found himself in an offense that didn't use that position. Mm, which um, is unfortunate. It is. I hate to see it. I hate to see it. Best of luck to you, Matt. Bye, guys. Yeah. Um, so that wraps up football. Uh, and let's start in on basketball. Um, I'm going to give a bit of a rundown on what's happened, and then we will, of course, turn it over to our public health expert, Alex Plum, to explain why certain things are happening. Um, so this week we found out that Maddie Sissoko and Stephen Izzo had tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, as of Wednesday, when the team was supposed to travel to Iowa during Tom Izzo's press conference, it was believed that it was the only uh, positive test on the team and that they would still be traveling to Iowa to play. Uh, Maddie and Stephen are roommates Uh, It came out yesterday, that is Saturday evening, that Josh Langford had also tested positive for COVID-19, which explains why the trip to Iowa had been canceled. Um, The uh, as of uh, Saturday evening and presumably, hopefully, uh, as of the time of recording Sunday evening, no one else has yet tested positive. Um, per Big Ten rules, the earliest these players could return is Maddie Sissoko would be able to come back on January 28th at Rutgers. Steven Izzo would be able to come back on January 30th and Josh Langford on January 31st at Ohio State. Um, the hope is that the team will be practicing on Monday. So, Plum, why is it that uh, there, there's been such a break between uh, Josh Langford's last test or the positive test and the team not being able to practice until Monday? It's a great question. So the last positive test was Wednesday, which means, um, and remember you can start, you can start being contagious about 48 hours before symptoms show up. Typically you want to be, you need to be tested within seven days of your exposure. Um, after that period, especially if you're asymptomatic, it's, it's, you're not going to be able to normally find those antibodies or you're not going to, with that part of the virus that we're looking for when we do those tests. So the point is here, if he, if he had it on Wednesday, we tested positive on Wednesday, 
leading up to that Wednesday, and then still from that Wednesday on, he was um, contagious. The vast majority of uh, COVID diagnoses, uh, that is symptoms beginning to appear, you, you know, you're, you've got telltale sign, high fever, coughing, et cetera, are going to happen within four to five days of exposure. So once you clear that five day mark, you know, over 90%, um, it's, it's very, it's, you know, less than 10% or so likely that you're actually going to be sick. Now, the science says that, you know, the, the typical, the incubation is as short as two days and as long as 14. So it definitely is possible that, you know, you could be exposed and two weeks later, finally start to, to show symptoms and, you know, and to actually be diagnosable. But for the vast majority of folks, that's that four to five day window. And so I think they're just kind of operating on that, that, um, that kind of model to determine when they're going to bring it back. Now, that said, the Big Ten has a lot, as you just mentioned, Jones, has a very kind of rigorous time frame. So Langford not being able to come back to play until the 31st is two weeks from today, which is two and a half weeks from the day that he tested positive. So they are they are in that. I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, they're holding there that he theoretically could be contagious for that many weeks after his disease state resolves. Um I guess that's a very conservative diet, you know, assuming that the course of the illness, if he did get sick and had a full course of illness, you know, that could be two weeks. And then I guess you'd, you'd want to have a few days to determine whether or not, you know, cardiac and, and that kind of thing were good. But a lot of these guys, as we're seeing, test positive and are asymptomatic. So in those cases, you know, it's a, it's a conservative rule, but maybe not fully um, fully necessary in all cases. Yeah, my understanding is the Big Ten is 14 days of uh, and then you you have to wait the additional three for a, a cardiac evaluation mm-hmm. um, for on, on the back end of it. Um, yep. So obviously wishing all of the players, uh, if, mm-hmm. like anyone else who has COVID, uh, well and a speedy recovery. Um, so that has led to the Iowa and Indiana games that we previewed last week being postponed. And uh, as of right now, it is believed that the Illinois game, which will occur next Saturday, um, it's believed that game will actually go on. Uh, I guess, you know, let, I'm going to ask the question, do we think this is a good thing um, and not in the sense that they have COVID, but did Plum, this- here comes your shorted rotation. There you go, my man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rocket By necessity. Going to have to start. But is, do we, do we think that this team having a little bit of extra time to practice, maybe that truncated rotation to your point, Greg, it, you know, it, I'm reminded of last or two seasons ago when Nick Ward went out and Xavier Tillman had to pick up more minutes and how that team really started gelling towards the end of the year. Is is this maybe forcing the, the, the hand of Tom Izzo? Greg, what do you think? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the fact is that Josh Langford has not really come back to I mean he's like 80% of what we were hoping that we would get something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see how this plays itself out. Um and then Tom's, you know, going to have to resist the urge that's always there in the back of his head. Maybe he's just distracted by trying to get Steven time, you know, on the court. <laughs> and so now that those two things have been removed, it is a, a bit of a bummer for Madi in particular because yeah, we really wanted to get him some run. Um, and and he's been looking okay in some ways. 
Illinois is a good team actually for him to get run against. So that's unfortunate, but uh, I think it might pay off in the guard department a little bit more. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything I, that you've said. I, I think, you know, my question is again, and I've kind of been harping on this probably too much is what is that cultural moment? What, what is the inflection moment for this team to determine what its internal cultural standard is? Who's, you know, is, is an illness or three diagnoses? Is that enough to sort of, is there a wake up call moment here? And I'm not saying, oh, this is a good thing. There's a silver lining here, but you think about things happen, a death, uh, a, a, an accident. You have inflection moments that happen all the time in life that stop you and cause you to take pause and to reevaluate. And this team to date, as we have said time and again, has no central leader. It has no central team member who's standing up. It, it should be Henry. It hasn't been Henry. It hasn't been anyone else. Is there a moment now that maybe someone will grow out of this? Will there be a an esprit de corps that may start to flourish? Not to say there isn't any of that, but what is it? The show is called Can't uh, Read, Can't Write. Right? That's, not, that's not even English. That's <laughs> on me. I want to take this time to apologize to everybody. Reflect. Yep. Yep. I, I think you bring up a great, a great point, Plum. I, I, I mean, I that this is a, a real sort of gut check moment in some ways. I, I also think, for me, it, you know, Linkford to your to your point, Greg has been fine. It's fine. And indeed, I think if we thought we were going to be getting the guard play that we had anticipated going into the year, we would have been thrilled with Josh Langford's performance. But we haven't gotten that guard play, which I, I think this forces Tom Izzo to make some assessments about what he's doing at the two. Maybe Rocket just goes and does Rocket there for a while, and that's not a bad thing. Or, or maybe this shows us as the team, Josh Langford is the answer and... Rocket Watts doesn't have much of a future in the program. <laughs> I'm I'm pulling for Rocket here. Um, it, you know, it, I think if if he's able to go out and just be a two guard, then you know, it, it seems it seemingly would free him up mentally. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it, Tom also has options. You know, Henry could be pulled over and play the two. Um, you know, Gabe could go in there. I guess. Um, He's got options, but it does certainly it ties his hands in ways that and forces him to maybe use some players that in some ways we've all been calling for him to use people differently. Um, And I guess it'll it'll be a test of that. Uh, And and to Plum's point, it'll be a bit about their metal. So Hmm. um, I'm looking forward to Saturday and we'll get into why uh, that game against. Illinois is probably winnable, but to your, not having Maddie stinks big time. So big time. Um, all right, let's head over to uh, chatting about the lawsuit brought by uh, a, a group of swimmers on behalf of all uh, women's swim and dive team members uh, at MSU. Um, Greg, because I'm going to be chatting for a bit. Do you want to tell the folks what happened? Yeah. So just as background, uh, if you were not aware, MSU, like many, many, unfortunately, athletic departments across the country have been evaluating what are commonly referred to as the non-revenue sports. Those are those that uh, ultimately don't 
yield positive net financial results for the uh, for the athletic department. And they made the decision, as many Big Ten te- uh, athletic departments are in particular, to remove men's and women's uh, swimming. Uh, all student athletes will have their uh, the remainder of whatever athletic scholarships uh, for their athletic careers uh, observed. They they will still enjoy the benefits of those, and they'll still get the academic benefits of being a student athlete. But there will be no more, is it either after this season or even at this point, no more competition uh, in the Big Ten for uh, swimming, men's and women's swimming. So um, that is where we're at. And then as of this week, we saw in federal court, I believe, uh, a lawsuit filed on behalf of nine of the swimmers, right? Nine is representatives of a class, which the class being all of the women's swimmers. Women's okay. Women's dive team. It's a class action lawsuit. Got it. Yes. All right. Jonesy, as you were. As you so, were. Um, so I think before we dive into the actual lawsuit, and and there's there's some really interesting things to talk about there, but it's important to first talk about what Title IX is because there's um, obviously some fluency about it, but but probably not enough. So Title IX is part of the Education Amendments Act of 1972. And what it states is very simple. It says, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any educational program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So public universities, at, at, a, at a minimum, um, and though more than just public, are are subject to this act. It is, uh, and sports are considered to be part of an educational program or activity. So the question then is, what does this require in athletics specifically? And so Title IX requires that women and men be provided equitable opportunities to participate in sports. Um, it doesn't require that schools offer identical sports, but an equal opportunity to play. Important, it, it, many people think when they hear that, that it means that there have to be equal number of, you know, uh, literal team positions or sport positions in, at, at a university. That's actually not true. It means that in proportion to the the population of men and women at a university, proportionally, they need to be equal. So if you had a 90% female uh, population at your university, you would expect that uh, you wouldn't expect equal numbers of, of men's and women's sports to exist. There would obviously be more women's sports. It has to be that there's a proportional opportunity to participate. Um, Title IX also requires that female and male student athletes receive athletic scholarships, dollars proportional to to their participation. This gets a little bit tricky, and we're not going to spend too much time on it, but some NCAA sports require a certain number of of scholarships or limit a certain number of scholarships. Just because there's an NCAA regulation dictating numbers as it relates to that, it doesn't mean you get to get around the law. So you may have to offer more spots to make that that dollar uh, amount equal. And then it it should go without saying, but 
these this equality cascades down. So your facilities ought to be of equal uh, quality. Your scheduling, your practice times, your access to to other benefits as it relates to being an athlete, like tutoring, locker rooms, uh, training, publicity. Those should all be equal as well. Um, and then I think this is the most important part about Title IX, which is what its activity, what its impact has been since its passage. Since passing, Title IX uh, female participation in sport has grown by over 614% in college and over 1,057% in high school. It should come no surprise, as no surprise that with those increases, so too have professional sports for women grown. And then I think, personally, this is not a legal thing as it relates to Title IX, but one of the most important things about Title IX that can't really be quantified is that women's equal access to opportunity in sport has an interconnected relationship with storytelling. And in all the ways that men are heralded in sport as being gritty, tough, heroic, strong, dynamic, savvy, or as leaders, teammates, champions, and warriors through collective storytelling, so too women have been able to find themselves wrapped with those words. And so Title IX is no small player in destroying a patriarchy. It is important, it's vital, and necessary to lifting women up in the United States. And to this day, Title IX is the only federal law that grants women equality in America. So with all of that background to Title IX, and sorry for the diatribe there. No, uh, it's good. It's uh, good. And I I just want to state, for the record, completely agree with your editorializing there. Uh, It's been fantastic. It's good and it's important. Continue. Thank you. Um, so the the crux of the allegations in the lawsuit is that MSU is currently in violation of Title IX, irrespective of cutting, swimming, and dive. Uh, and that cutting, swimming, and swim and dive with, with respect particularly to women will exacerbate that noncompliance because there are more women members of swim and dive than there are men. Uh, so the lawsuit it calls out a few things as it relates to MSU at this moment. Particularly, it says that there is an imbalance in the number of participation opportunities for women and men. Specifically, men have 25 more participation opportunities than women. And Title IX requires that if the participation gap is such that you can field a team to make up that gap, then you're required to. Not only do they allege that there's that current, and actually it's publicly available data, there is a participation gap, but they also say that MSU is currently padding their numbers by increasing participation opportunity in sports like women's track and field, women's cross country, and women's crew by having roster sizes that are well in excess of, statistically significantly in in excess of the average roster size for those sports. So. And and in those particular sports, a number of people who are on those rosters have never competed in a match. Um, so there's that participation information. Then there's also the publicly available de- information as it relates to student-athlete scholarships. And currently, females have $462,000 less in scholarships than men. So... It seems, based upon the allegations, which should be taken very, very seriously, that MSU is in noncompliance with Title IX, and that's a problem, and and needs to be remedied. 
As it relates to women swim and dive, though, unfortunately, there are ways that MSU can cure this problem that don't require them to keep women swim and dive. They can cut a men's sport. They can they can equal the balances by cutting a men's sport. Um, some of the allegations in the lawsuit seem to be a bit superfluous or salacious or just not specific. Uh, for instance, a frequent complaint in the lawsuit is that the women uh, on the swim and dive team will not be able to transfer. Um, first, to my knowledge, or in particularly they say because they'll have to sit out a year. And to my knowledge, that's not true in swim and dive. You get a free transfer in swim and dive. Second, uh, even if that wasn't true, everyone gets a free transfer this year because of COVID. And third, even if that also wasn't true, the sit-out rule can be appealed. And if ever there's a reason for your appeal to be granted, your sport being cut ought to be first on the list. So there's some things in the allegations that uh, are a bit problematic. The lawyer who's representing the class of swimmers here has been successful in a a similar lawsuit against Iowa. It seems to me that her injunction probably is going to be granted. And MSU, at least for this year, will not be able to cut women's swim and dive. But I think, gentlemen, there's a related question that we can chat about as a group instead of me just talking about the law for a long time. No, I'm actually sitting here just scrolling through Twitter. It's actually great. So if you wanted to go on for another five or ten minutes, I'm going to. That feels very disrespectful. No, uh, dear listeners, you should be paying attention. This is a co-host Twitter time only. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's right. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm done. Here's the thing I want to ask you, though. Does cutting the sport even make sense? MSU gives 24 swim and dive scholarships, which are divided among 60 athletes. That's a lot of people on the team who are paying to go to MSU. Yeah, but that assumes that you couldn't backfill, you know, 24 more general students, you know, if you cut those 24. Uh, I believe the athletic department, and they're probably giving numbers that justify the decision that they made, said that the the athletic department uh, is more net negative on swim and dive than any other sport. I think it's two million in the hole for women's and something similar for men's. Um, there's also the facilities that would be required. Um, I think everyone here knows that I am West is not the greatest facility on the planet and it would require significant capital investment to get that up to big 10 competition standards. So yeah, I understand the pool is considered technically, technically eligible for NCAA competition, but like, Big asterisk on technically. So there are those considerations to be made. Um, but can I ask, I, I, is, is we're assuming that those, that the, these swim and dive scholarships are tuition recapture, but are they? I mean, this isn't necessarily a zero sum equation. Those, they may not have chosen and may yet not choose to come to Michigan State. So I don't see how. You know, scholar. I don't look at scholarships through the lens of tuition recapture. Frankly, I don't know what it costs to have one more body in a classroom when you've already got a net number, 25, and you can have 26th person in the classroom. You know what I mean? So I know that there is a, a, a valuation to them. Scholarship valuations, it doesn't seem like it costs the university. They're, I guess the room and board would be like the one area. It's so hard for me to put a tangible number 
Well, the athletics department does compensate the university for all. Oh, and I, I know that we have listeners of the podcast that work at universities in these types of departments. And I invite them to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I do believe that the athletic department compensates the university for all of the tuition and room and board that is given to student athletes via scholarship. Correct. Right. And, and I think the point about swim and dive is that these 24 scholarships that they have are, are divided. So not, I don't know if anyone's getting a full ride, but it's few and far between who is getting a full ride. Yeah. Most of these student athletes are paying the university some discounted amount of tuition. And what I'm saying is we could, I believe MSU could just as easily replace those 30 athletes with full tuition paying students. Sure. Perhaps of higher academic caliber as well. I think in fairness, uh, most of our academic All-Americans were from the swim and dive team. Well, that's great. <laughs> I I think uh, I think it's a significant concern. If indeed the university is that far out of compliance with Title IX, and I don't know the rules to it, I think that's a really significant concern. It's a further concern if they just decide to cut you know, a men's sport as a result, uh, to balance the budget. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, realistically as a PR move, they would never do that. I I can't imagine they would be like, all right, you won in court. We're just going to, we're just going to scrap another team now. Um, maybe though. Possible. Either way. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it does seem a little bit concerning that, um, this is not going to stay forever. If if MSU wants out of swim and dive, they will get out of swim and dive. Yeah, it it may not be this year. It may not be three years from now. But I bet you within the decade, we don't have swim and dive any longer. Yeah, and so this is a short term victory at best. Um, and but all of and it and it is a. a it, this can't be the only reason a sport doesn't get cut or rather it is the only reason a sport will not be cut, but eventually, you know, MSU will should, should absolutely find itself back in compliance with title nine. But it, this seems at best a bandaid. Um, and, and it probably will be a great bandaid for those who are currently in attendance, but how, how long lived will it be? Well, and I think that's the point. Who's going to come knowing that this is the, the program isn't supported. I mean, if, if this is actually going to get brought back and they're going to invest in this, the amount of time and energy the university is going to have to do for the coaching staff to even want to participate, to get and recruit, assuming you give those jobs back to the coaches, are they going to want to stick around? How are they going to recruit swimmers and divers? I mean, my understanding is that they were pretty cush jobs with very low expectations. I'm absolutely. Well, look at the, and look at the outcomes. Of course they are. I mean, don't, don't outcome. I mean, there is no such thing as a failed outcome. It's a process that fails. And the process that we've been using, whether in football or apparently in swimming and diving for how many years, is producing the results that that flow from the process. So my only point is, and obviously if they don't care, they don't care, but then this is – it's optics. It's all optics. And I don't know. I wouldn't want to swim for a program for a school that didn't want me there, that didn't want to support the program. So right. now that doesn't speak to the Title IX issues. Those need to be resolved. There's no doubt. We're in complete agreement there. Um, but such as it is, I mean, I hate to see any program leave and I like the swimming and diving team. I like walking by their practices. It's nice to, there's a pool and individuals in various stages of undress jumping into water that who doesn't like to see that on a hot day. Um, and also I'm not invested in this any more than you. So meh. 
Great recap. All right. Uh, let's. We look forward to seeing this. Uh, I, I mean, it seems like MSU's lawyers had to have reviewed all of this in advance. There has to be some kind of mm-hmm. answer to these allegations that are going to be reasonable or good God. Like how, I mean, this exact same thing pulled, you know, happened at Iowa. In fact, the courts issued to stay at Iowa. Iowa is still uh, participating in swim and dive. Um, so you had to have looked around the Big Ten, yeah. seen what happened, and assume that something similar would happen here unless you're buttoned up. I got two words um, for you, Kevin Gregg. Bill Beekman. God, that's he's a bean counter. That's his whole job. We'll see. We'll that's see. His whole job. We will Bill. see. My understanding is the women's swim and dive team have gone to great lengths also to um to fundraise on this to try and save the sport. Um, and it sounds like the MSU's uh, student association um, is, is currently considering a recreation fee for all of its students, which would add a lot of money to the athletic department budget, but further increase the cost of education at Michigan state university at the same time. There it is. Yeah, no, land grant. We are a land grant school. Damn it. Anyway, we will be keeping our eye on it. We are going to try and get some additional perspective on this. We recognize that we were not D1 athletes at Michigan State, let alone uh, in a women's sport. So we are going to do our best to do some more due diligence because some of the allegations are that there's just frankly unequal treatment. And um, so we don't want to have a blind spot on that. But I mean, I think it's definitely true that there's probably unequal treatment compared to the football team or the men's basketball team. I mean, yeah, the, the football renovations did come up in the complaint. I mean, that's that's got to be true at every power five division one conference, though. Right. Uh, every team is going to you would have to be able to make that argument. So. Yeah, presumably. Yes. So um, I don't know how to handle that. I mean, that gets back <laughs> to the whole college football as a money making enterprise issue to begin with. So great. College you got a great working. segment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's head off Grand River. But before we do, uh, Kevin, I want you to tell me about mortgage rates. You know, Jonesy, we talk about this every week. Yes, every week, every week, every week. we go through this song and dance song and dance. I talk about thanks. Thanks for hyping me up. I. I talk about how fantastic my experience was with Brandon Sands. Dude has closed over 10,000 loans. He works for one of the largest blasted mortgage lenders in the country, guaranteed rate. He sets himself apart, Mike. He sets himself apart with a consultative approach. But there are still people out there. Can you guys believe this? Still people out there that have higher than a 4% interest rate on their mortgage, and they haven't called Brandon Sands yet. That's not even considering the possibility of folding in some of those other high interest debts. You know, maybe that's a stressor for you in your life. I hope it's not. I mean, that sounds awful. But uh, but here's your opportunity, man. Fold those in. Get yourself a lower rate. Just contact Brandon Sands. It's easy. I did it. Okay. I can't read or write. That's, right. That's the name of the podcast. Right. And you did it. Functionally illiterate Kevin Greck pulled it off. You can too. Contact Brandon Sands at rate.com slash Brandon Sands. That's Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. 
rate.com slash Brandon Sands. Just do it. Just do it. it. Trademark that. Um, (laughs) Let's let's head off Grand River and we're going to start a little bit heavy. Well, um, and start with uh, a story that unfolded um, on social media. First with the free press, uh, as Dan Campbell was reported to be the Detroit Lions next or front runner for head coach, which it sounds like that hire is being made. Um, the, the Freep wrote an article that says Dan Campbell, Detroit Lions coach front runner made controversial anti-gay remark in college. And then afterwards, uh, someone dug through the Twitter of the author of that article and noticed that he had a penchant for using anti-gay slurs and the N-word. So uh, that happened this week. And then also Justin Thomas, professional golfer, uh, uttered a anti-gay slur while golfing in in ways that I think Alex is going to explain are confounding, um, and then has <laughs> since lost his Ralph Lauren sponsorship. Uh, so Lorraine, Chelsea, Lorraine, yes. have Thank some class. Ralph Lauren. Uh, so I think we want to spend a little bit of time chatting about homophobia. Well... Listen, as the resident gay here, <laughs> I just, um, <laughs> you know, I, a couple things. Okay, first is, I think you got to start with Justin Thomas here. This just absolute Muppet. What an idiot. I, if you're going to... Do you want to explain what happened? He, he took a putt, a putt for, I, I think it was actually kind of a short putt. I don't think it was the longest putt in the world. It's one he should have made anyway, and it went right. So he just misses the thing, and typically... You know, you might yell out some expletive like, oh, shit, or oh, fuck. You know, there's a lot that you could yell out. You don't typically yell, fire. You know, that's not the one you typically yell. I don't. That's not the first. That's not, that's not the first, that's not the first in one. The bag you have to intentionally that choose that word. That That isn't. who and, and who are you yelling it at? Is it the T? Is it the is it the cup? Is it the ball? Is it the divot? I don't I don't know who's getting that hate speech directed at it, but it just seems like you deserve you if you're gonna use the F A G G O T, you really need to just direct it with a certain amount of hatred and anger at an individual. And it shouldn't ever be done. But if you're going to get your full weight behind you, I mean, that's really where if you're going to go all in on it, then fucking go all in. So bad job him. And then, of course, he's getting sponsored by a clothier, by a design team. I mean, come on. Really? Really? So now if Justin Thomas ends up coming out gay, then I think Ralph Lauren should totally reinstate him. As we like to say, you know, some of us take those words back and. You know, if you said it with a certain affect and maybe a swish of the of the wrist, then I think things can be forgiven. But suffice it to say, it hasn't yet, and so uh, he is out. And, you know, this matters uh, because at the end of the day, he's responsible for it. I want to say yes. these apologies that we keep seeing, Justin's, uh, I think the apology from Dan Thomas or whatever, or Dan, what is it, Dan who? Do we even know yet? Does it matter? Who are you talking about, the head coach? Yeah, Dan Campbell. Sorry, Dan Campbell. Yes. Actually, I thought, well, so hold on. Let's let's take these one at a time. I'm going to save my narrative for a second. 
you teed it up, Mike. Dan Campbell, I think this is important to note. He did. 98. 1998. Not necessarily the year of inclusivity around LGBT issues, it turns out, in this country. Uh, made a, Didn't use a slur. Basically said something like, I like going to a school where men like women and women like men. Okay, it's definitely you know homophobic, but I mean, on the scale of like horrible things, it's probably not as high as yelling an expletive at a ball that didn't go into a cup on a green. So in, in the year of our Lord, 2021, in the year of our Lord in Anno Domini 2021. So, but more importantly, you know, the school newspaper in 98 goes to Dan Campbell and says, Hey, WTF mate. And he's like, yeah, you're right. That was wrong. I'm sorry. I, I got heated. It's not who I am. I wasn't directing it at anybody. I shouldn't have said it. So in real time, the guy has the sense to apologize. By the way, in 1998, I would say your average white guy like that that made an ass nine remark like that would have either doubled football down player, ref- football player in Texas, in Texas, Texas a would have either doubled down or dismissed the, the question out of hand and been like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Go ask your question somewhere else. Wouldn't have treated it. So the fact that he even acknowledged he was wrong in real time indicates to me a certain level of character that you haven't seen out of – uh, the Marlo Alter, the uh, as junior assistant writer, editor, whatever for the Free Press, who's absolutely hat in hand, useless apology, absolute bereft of any integrity or authenticity, much like uh, Justin Thomas. Oh, I didn't mean to offend anybody. That's not who I. Am. What, what do you? When people say, can you, one of you tell me what this means? When someone says. That's not who I am. In fact, we know it's who you are because in your most unguarded lizard brain, you were you were reacting out of anger and frustration. The the core you, that's when we actually get to see the core you. Justin Thomas, the core you is homophobic, whether that's because you're self-loathing or because you just are a shitty human, you are at the core homophobic. Marlo Alter, I might suggest to you, sir, and again, these the tweets that we this is Marlo Alter is the author of the hit piece that you know tried to come for Dan Campbell. And because I think that's I don't I don't think that's unfair. I mean, I think it's I think it was a hit piece the way it's written. I also think that it is important the Lions know what they're getting. And at the same time, what happened with Dan Campbell happened 23 years ago now, and he apologized for it in real time. That, for me, is something you move on from. That's not something that needs to be dragged out again. Um, and suffice it to say, we've not seen any follow-up from anyone that says, yeah, he has a history of this. So in 23 years, I'd say, we're doing pretty good with Dan Campbell. Marlo Alter, on the other hand, uh, as far back as eight years ago, has a Twitter history replete with uh, homophobic, racist, misogynistic content. And what do we get from Marlo Alter two days ago after Twitter net correctly dragged him for filth? I apologize. This is no excuse. I'm embarrassed. I don't condone that language. And not once. Multiple times. I mean, this isn't... This is... How did you... It seemed a habit. It was well, it was beyond habitual. And again, and that's for me. This is who you are. Don't don't this is don't their whole this isn't who I am. It absolutely is who you are. This is how you talk. You talk like this so frequently that it is part of the very few word limit you get to send a tweet. You chose to use that space 
for homophobic and racist slurs. This is a white guy uh, who looks like a white guy. I should I should note. Um, so anyway, I I, well, I guess you can leave it there. Other than to say, the 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 free press already a pretty garbage publication. Absolutely getting a beautiful comeuppance from an idiot who shouldn't probably be employed there still for being an idiot for saying idiotic things in the past for not having the just common sense to delete them and then to try to drag someone else for it. I mean. Boy, that is rich, and you hate to see it, but you love to see it. Yeah, yes, uh, it'd be. It, there's certainly clearly no. Marlowe doesn't indicate he had any growth. Um, bad look, Marlowe. I think he might have deleted them though. By at this point, I would hope he has. Oh, he good. Deleted his LinkedIn. <laughs> so. That's, that's what you do. Let's do that he might be looking for a job soon. So that he might have gotten the order of operations wrong on that one. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, move on to maybe some more lighthearted news. Um, I don't know how you move on from that, but you do. Um, the Big Ten is discussing moving the uh, basketball tournament from Chicago to Indy this year. Great. Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, right? Indy's going to be, on. yeah. Okay, <laughs> great, love it. I mean, like, what else is there to discuss? It's going to be the site of the NCAA tournament, and it just happens to be the best site for the Big Ten tournament generally. And it happens to be the site that we kind of speculated might be the site of all the Big Ten games. We thought that the Big Ten might bubble the teams in Indianapolis. That obviously didn't happen. Um, now, hello, so, let me just ask a follow up here uh, because I'm, I'm not as yeah. smart as either of you when it comes to these things. Um, is the thinking here is the value proposition, I guess, that Indianapolis, because it's hosting the the big dance, going to have more infrastructure in place to facilitate testing, housing, sequestering, bubbling, et cetera, than would Chicago on its own? Is that the thinking here? Well, it's going to have a dedicated team and they're obviously studying the problem and putting, I mean... I've got to think it would also serve as a good trial run for them to run the tournament in its entirety as well. So I, I would think there would be more resources put towards it, towards keeping people, you know, student athletes safe and, uh, and all the infrastructure required to do that. And then they'd also get a nice little, uh, you yeah. know, test run for the big dance. So I think it's, right. I think it's a great idea. Right. Yeah. Uh. Last note here we have off Grand River is the Division One Council of the NCAA has tabled the proposals on name, image, and likeness and the freedom to transfer from one school to another for student athletes. Mark Emmert blaming the Department of Justice investigation uh, for antitrust violations as the reason that they couldn't do anything. And which just, to me, it's hilarious that because they're being investigated for exploiting student athletes, they choose to continue to exploit student athletes. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought the transfer would have gone through, as I guess my lead into this. Uh, anyone got some thoughts on on the NCAA? Other than the NCAA continues to be a buffoon, that's the easy take. Anyone got some additional thoughts? No, I mean, it's out of your hands now, Mark. You have no say in it anymore. State houses across the country are passing these laws, including Michigan. Um, so I, I basically what I think this means is that the NCAA isn't going to have any say 
in how this ends up actually God, they're going they're through. Idiots no, being evil. it's not even evil. I mean, it is evil, but let's be clear. But it is a continual failure of leadership. We've talked about this a lot on the pod, leadership, because it gets short shrift because people don't pay enough attention to it. It's happening, obviously, nationally. It's happening state elections. It's, it's not, just, but it's not just political. It happens in all over the place. And in the NCAA again, you have a president, Mark Emmert, who is a complete muppet, who should be fired and flogged to death, probably, probably not, and probably not, um, probably not. But the NCAA knew this was going to happen. They had to have known this would happen, and they abrogated yeah. the responsibility. They absolutely abrogated the responsibility they had to try to craft a reasonable solution for this. And when you do that, the -hmm. question has to be asked, then what are you doing heading the organization? If you aren't facilitating the hard conversations and creating the momentum to move together something as difficult, as hairy, as thorny, as name, image, and likeness, then frankly, you don't deserve to be the CEO of the agency, of the organization. So Mark Emmert is, should just, just come on. But, but it's part of this bigger issue where you have absolute, absolutely the, the wrong person in the wrong position. They're, he's not a leader. He's not leading the organization. And a lot of uh, – and it's not just him. The NCAA has been a bad organization for a long time full of very bad people doing bad things. And also – well, I think I made the point. We just you need leadership, and if you had it, this this wouldn't be a patchwork thing of, you know, state and now federal legislation that's going to try to do this. Well, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch, um, and it's, like many things we're talking about today, it'll be an ongoing saga. Uh, let's get ready to talk about sport again, though. But before we do, a quick word from our dear sponsor, Preserved Homemade. Plum, you ready to be hype, man? Dude. So, Preserved Homemade is a goods and provision store bringing you the tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. Wow. <laughs> Big. <laughs> so, uh, as we mentioned, we were disappointed to announce that the January drop of goods had been uh, had been uh, passed on because... No! <laughs> Not that. Preserved Homemade is obtaining a very essential license to be able to offer pickled goods oh my god so get ready for february where we're still hoping that the bloody mary mix will be on the list but you will be able to get those classic cookies as well as some pickled goods check out their instagram page preserved underscore homemade or head to their website at preserved-homemade.com to treat yourself or someone you love to some homemade goodness get it all right it's time to preview a game it's yeah. getting one game after so many days. We got it, Illinois. It's on Saturday, so it might actually happen. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, Illinois, AP rank number 14. Also, uh, Ken Palm rank number 11. We're looking at way more efficient offense than defense. MSU, pardon me, right now, uh, Ken Palm 41 for reference. Um, and, you know. It's an Illinois team that you kind of knew what you were getting. Uh, it's not a deep team. 
five dudes, all averaging 25 minutes or more. So God, I wish we had that. I really wish we had that. This is your favorite team. You should switch. I might. Uh, And then they've got names that you already know. Desumu, you know, a much improved three-point shooter from last year. Uh, But uh, what's he hitting right now, Jonesy? Uh, 41.7% compared to 29.6 last year. And he's already got half as many attempts as he did last year. And we're on an abbreviated season. So that's why it's remarkable. And who else is on that team? Uh, Kofi Coburn. That's right. Averaging that double double. Right you just now. thought I was going to mispronounce it. That's all. Uh, I you was wanted to hear me say. I was, setting you up. I was setting you up. Uh, and you know, he's playing very efficiently, not uh, Hunter Dickinson levels of efficiency, but very efficiently uh, get a 71% field goal percentage right now. So uh, double doubling. 71% from the field. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, Plum, anything that MSU needs to do to win this game? Um, rebound. Okay. Uh, rebound is great. Uh, don't turn the ball over um, 18 times. Uh-oh. So that's a, that's a thing. Uh, I know that those were two things in the outline, and I didn't look at it when I said them. So that's how you know that they're the secrets to success. Great. So uh, Illinois, Illinois is rebounding the ball really well at plus 12, and MSU is not quite at that level, uh, nope. with Illinois getting appreciably more second-chance points on the offensive glass. And on the turnover battle, both teams are coughing up the ball at about the same pace. Um, so if MSU is going to win, taking care of the ball will be a key way to, key way to get more possessions. And you got to throw waves of bodies at Coburn. This is uh, This is a test for any kind of uh, rescheduled Iowa games. Dear Kofi, hope you like getting fouled, my friend, because you're, you're going to spend some time at the line, my guy. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a winnable game. Uh, this Illinois team's lost five games this year. So yeah, two in a row, their AP rank will be lower because mm-hmm. that when we're recording, it hasn't been accounted for. Coburn does only shoot 54% from the line. So to your point, if Bingham can get out there and just slap him, that'd be great. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is good. This could be a good game on Saturday when we finally get to see basketball again. Yeah. Um, all right, let's head to an abbreviated Twitter question segment. Mm. Mm. So Mm. first up, we've got CT and TC. What's your favorite board game? Uh, I've got one. It's called power grid. Uh, and it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's out of Deutschland. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you you know, it's a, it's a fun game. It's about, you know, setting up a power, uh, company that provides electricity throughout the European continent, or I think Mm. you can flip the board over and play on the American continent as well. But, uh, Mm. yeah, you know, real, real barn burner. Mm. Uh, what about you guys? Settlers of Catan, my friend. Classic. Settlers of the Catan. longest road. What are you biggest doing? army, largest army. I don't know if this counts because there's a lot of cards involved, but I did play Wingspan recently, and I really loved the game. He okay. liked it because he won it a lot. Yeah. Ah, that'll do it. Uh, <laughs> Not against me, against other people. He won it so much that he told me about it. It was great. Uh, was next up from CT and TC is what sport is most improved by watching in person versus on TV? Plum, what do you got? 
I think soccer, frankly. Soccer's a good answer. I would say hockey. It's the low scoring type Yeah, it's low scoring games. Yep, you need to be there to feel the energy. But Mm -hmm. I just, when you're in a soccer match, especially not in the United States, but like a professional soccer match in Europe somewhere, the, the crowd feel is electric. And being there and feeling that is, I think, something that is vastly better than waking up at seven o'clock in the morning to try to watch a premiership fixture at, you know, on your Saturday. It's just not a thing. You're using words I don't understand, but I will say that even, uh, boring kids soccer is, uh, would, I wouldn't watch that on the TV, but it's quite fun in person though. I will say baseball, baseball, I think is a game that is improved by being in person versus on the TV. Uh, Uh, we'll just skate right past why Mike Jones is, Watching kids soccer, yeah, um, and yeah, just strangely going to apparently. I had, I had nephews that I lived with for a while, or cousins actually. They're just younger, um, and yeah, they were okay. uh, they played soccer. And so you That's know, you beat it for the Saturday game. Anyway, next up is at Matter CK. Who from the 2000 championship team, other than Mateen Cleaves, would be the best addition to this year's team? Oh, Mo Pete. Is that too easy to say? I mean, there you could probably get away with any of them and be very happy. Yeah. I would take the Mopete angle on this. Um, just I know that at that time, Mopete had issues with motivation and stuff like that. Um, but I would love to see Mopete flying around, making shots, doing his thing on this team. What about y'all? Um. I'm going to go ahead and say maybe Jason Richardson. Okay. Maybe. I'm worried that we're being, we've got pro career colored glasses on this. That's fair. Um, That's fair. I mean, I'd take Andre, uh, Andre, uh, yeah, Andre Hudson too. The original Flintstone on that team. Um, I mean, Charlie Bell would be great. I mean, there's a lot of dudes. I think I take Andre Hudson because I want I want that that big man play. I mean, this team does have a member of that team sitting behind the bench in David Thomas. Um, so they're they're around the the energy of that team is around. And then, uh, you know, Ispia has got to be getting, you know, hit up by Izzo for a lot of money because he's. Now, probably the richest Spartan alum. It's Mo Pete. It's no, it's Mo Pete. All right. Okay. It's Mo Pete for sure. Average six rebounds a game. So if for no other reason, then that's just such a weakness. Plus the internal leadership. There's no question. All right. Moving on. Uh, great question, though, at Matters, at Matters CK. Um, next up is Raymond Chains. Is MSU hockey the worst in the Big Ten, which is a very competitive league? Odd considering what a beast DeRitter is? We need a we need a, a guest uh, yeah, answer to that question. Spot. I do not know what the rest of the Big Ten hockey looks so I, like. I did see our awesome. friend JD underscore Jerbear on Twitter did say that actually, even though it, MSU hockey doesn't look great, they're not losing as spectacularly as last year, and that they're young. So um, that that there's reasons to be optimistic. There's also uh, not that many teams in the Big Ten right now uh, in hockey. So being the worst is not like 14th. It's seventh. Well, how many are there right now? I don't. Sixth? I, sure. 
Uh, next up from Raymond Chains. Is it true that if you have sex with someone who's had the vaccine, you'll pick up their immunity, or is that just a rumor put out there by the men who work at hospitals? Plum, <laughs> as, as a man who works in a hospital and has had the vaccine, have you tried that line? I have only ever tried that line, and it's only ever worked. So, yes. <laughs> uh, next up, John Hubbard. What is your favorite John L. movement, and you can't choose the slap? Or his firing. Does it have to be while he was at MSU? Can I choose his smile moment from Arkansas? That is that is a great moment. I mean Or can can I choose it, him going all in on Louisville condo developments and going broke? <laughs> I just remember there was a time where I looked at my very early in my career 401k uh uh statement and I was like, well, at least I got more money than John L. Doing better. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's painful. Uh, I mean, it's got to be the coaches are screwing it up, right? Oh, that's also good. I mean, yeah, it's, the players, it's, the players are playing their tails off. The coaches are screwing it up. And it, it's so, so un, unaware that he is a coach. <laughs> There's a dang coaching mistake. Uh, in fairness to John L. I mean, with the slap. I mean. That was cheating, right? Like, you can't just tell an official that a player slapped you when nothing happened. Nothing of the sort happened. And if Matt Trannon actually slapped the head coach of the other team, he should be be escorted from the building, right? That's not a personal foul. Right. The whole thing was ridiculous. We've all known Charlie Weiss is a liar. You can't play football anymore in that game if you actually hit the other team's coach. I would say uh, also John L. wearing cowboy boots to his. I was going to say the cowboy boots to every and and all formal or semi-formal functions. Just my God. Uh, Next up from John Hubbard. What mutant power do you hope you get with your COVID vaccine? Plum, what have you developed? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, painful wrist and, um, unable to do chicken wings. Can't, can't do chicken wings. And so in some ways that makes me a mutant and in other ways makes me also a mutant. <laughs> Great. So next up is Nick Kamansky. What are your thoughts on the three, four defense versus the four, three defense? Right. I want to thank you ahead of time for not asking me to answer that question. <laughs> well, I mean, MSU saw the difference this season. And let me tell you, it was stark. Um, you're in for a change, Nick. Is that is that what's happening in their program? I don't know if the, the new... I don't know if the new guy has it plays a three four. I would tell you this, Nick, that um this may not be the same problem that Michigan has that Michigan state would have, but recruiting guys at the nose tackle who can play the three, four, there's a much smaller population of those people for the right body size and athleticism that you need to be able to plug up that hole. So I I mean, I think a four, three just makes more sense in most cases when you are in college. So that's me, but I like the four, two, five that we run now currently at Michigan state. Um, Next up from Nick Kamansky, when will you start making video podcasts on YouTube so we can watch you enjoying your libations as you podcast? Greg says no to this. Yeah, this has been uh, vetoed. 
This has been vetoed. Yeah, we will do a live show whenever that kind of a thing is allowed, and uh, there will be no video recording uh, allowed at the show. So everyone prepare yourselves. You know, tack up the horses, start putting, you know, the wares in the wagon. There will be a live show at some point. But I do want to say to Nick, what you're envisioning, Mick, is absolutely accurate. Mm -hmm. Um. Kevin is fully nude right now, as you are expecting. He and has a vision, an Adonis, as and, I sit here. Well, you were definitely, I mean, because the thing that you can't hear that we can with this, the microphone setup we have is that he insists on slathering his body in vegetable oil. It's something we don't fully understand, but you can actually hear, if you listen closely, if you turn the volume a lot, you can hear him swishing each time he moves because he's actually dripping with it still. So it's... It's awkward, but it is. It's a very slender thing. It's very on brand. It's so what kids call a mood. Yeah. Uh, what do you recommend doing after a basketball loss? This is my first time experiencing <laughs> it this year. Uh, Nick, of course, referencing the fact that uh, Michigan got just housed by Minnesota. I'd like to say I can't relate, but I can. The um, worst part is that it's Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, those are some of the worst uniform colors combination, just the way the design and style work, Minnesota. But probably any in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, Nick, I would say, what'd you do last year? Like, you know, you had 12 experiences with it, 10 in the Big Ten. Like, I mean, just just pull out that ninth place feeling and just yeah. just find yourself there. That's it. Um, next up, always thinking 1835 asks, is DuckTales actually just Disney propaganda to combat growing anti-billionaire sentiment? Mm. We should dedicate a full podcast to this. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I could try to do the theme song on this one too, but I would just be like, DuckTales, you know, and like that's is that really what people want to hear? Probably. I guess. Why else do they tune in? And they just heard it. So next up is Mama Maple Leaf. What do you think would be worse? Having the rug pulled out from under you over and over or just not having access to the rug from the get go? Wow. Again, this deserves a full podcast. Um, uh, I think I'll take no rug at all. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like hardwood floors? You know? Mm hmm. <gasps> that's what this is about right oh uh, and the next one from Mama maple leaf number two and speaking of apologizing were we talking about apologizing I don't was there? We were. okay maybe there's another question from Mama maple leaf out there uh what most recent tweet would you like to uh take back greg how about you i stand by every tweet that i've ever launched I typically just most often regret not sending a tweet, usually mm. slandering Mama Maple Leaf. <laughs> My draft Take her down a peg. Finally. Filled, filled Finally. Mama Maple Leaf slander. Uh, five days ago, I tweeted that uh, how thoughtful I thought the National Review was and how it's a quality publication that always gets it right. I won't be able to stand by those words much longer, but that was nice of them to... To, to speak in favor of the president resigning. So that's great. 
Um, I, I don't know that you can live thinking that you're going to take something back on Twitter unless you're going to go ahead and delete all of the homophobic and racist uh, utterances you made. There it is. <laughs> anyway, that is our episode of Can't Read, Can't Write. Thank you, of course, for joining us. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing the boys back on the hardwood. But until then, gentlemen, go green. Go white. Go away, guys. <laughs>